4: Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Greg, one of the best parts about being a rock critic is that we get to discover new and exciting
0: artists, sometimes right in our backyard. I'm Jim DiRigatis of Vocalo.org. And I'm Greg Codd of the Chicago Tribune. Today we welcome up and coming garage rock band, White Mystery. Plus, we review the joint effort by John Legend and The Roots. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions. And time now to welcome our newest affiliate. Yes, Greg, we're now on the air in sunny southern Florida,
4: WUSF out of Tampa. And we thought we'd pay tribute to that neck of the woods by playing some music.
0: Tampa, Florida, you cannot mention its music scene without mentioning Julian Edwin Cannonball Adderley one of the great jazz saxophonists of the 20th century. I was born in Tampa in 1928, was a local Florida legend in the 40s when he was playing with Ray Charles. Moved to New York in the 50s, played on a little jazz album with Miles Davis called Kind of Blue. Made a few ripples in the jazz world. I've heard of that record, Yeah. yeah. Adderley went on to have a tremendous solo career in the 60s, recorded numerous albums. His biggest hit got some... Commercial radio airplay in the 60s with this song was written for him by his keyboardist Joe Zawinall. It's called Mercy, Mercy, Mercy by Cannonball Adderley on sound opinions.
4: That is Mercy, 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 Cannonball Adderley there from Tampa. Greg, you know, if there's one downside to being on the air at WUSF, it's that my mom and dad live there, and I'm going to hear about it if I misbehave.
5: And I always find, yeah, I always find, yeah, I always find something wrong. You've been putting up with my, it's just way too long. I'm so gifted at finding what I don't like the most. So I think it's time for us to have a
4: toast. That is rapper and producer Kanye West with a new song called Runaway, apparently an appetizer Greg from his forthcoming fifth studio album that he premiered during a live performance closing out the MTV Video Music Awards last week. Usually we avoid this show, but I think that this song and that performance are newsworthy, not for the reasons most people were talking about. You know, this is a song sort of about his experience last year with Taylor Swift. She herself sang a song about her experience with Kanye West when he bum-rushed her acceptance speech. It's newsworthy for a couple of other reasons. Number one, this is a phenomenally successful track already went instantly viral on the net, Even though many of the words, we can't play them here, most radio stations can't play them, many TV outlets can't play them. they're kind of nasty words. I think from an artistic viewpoint, Kanye West, love him or hate him, his public antics have been fairly despicable in the last couple of years. Choose one. He's an egomaniac who can't stand to be out of the spotlight for 10 seconds and so he acts out and grabs it. Number two, you know, his engagement fell apart, his mother died, there's been all this pressure of being super famous all of a sudden, and he's melting down in public. Or number three, the guy is just a jerk. I don't know, we have followed his career from the beginning, it seems like a little bit of all of that. Never in hip-hop, an art form that is about saying, I am king of the universe, I am perfect, look at me. Have you really heard somebody coming forward to say, I'm kind of a jerk, I've done stupid things, and what's more the end of that chorus that we can't play you saying I may not even be capable of being loved baby if you're thinking about falling in love with me maybe you should run the other way (laughs) it's a really
0: fascinating mea culpa from Kanye West and it's not the only song of this kind out there right now absolutely right Jim a few weeks ago uh, CeeLo Green the lead singer with the group Gnarls Barkley famous for that huge hit crazy a few years ago debuted his new song virally as well Again, unprintable title. We can't uh, mention the key word in the course. Basically, F.U., playing against type. CeeLo Green considered this sort of affable, charming guy. But here he is making a very explicit kiss-off to a girl who'd done him wrong again releasing it on the internet as opposed to commercial radio kind of knowing that commercial radio wasn't going to play the song as intended it has since been watered down a little bit for commercial radio purposes the alternate version forget you but it was a viral hit before commercial radio even got to it four million streams before commercial radio sanitized it we're going to give you the sanitized version of it but again, it's an interesting little mini trend of major stars releasing explicit songs through unconventional means to draw attention to their new albums.
4: Well, and with millions and millions of people enjoying this music, Greg, it does raise the question, as several other incidents have in recent years, is old-school terrestrial radio out of touch with you know words that don't seem to bother millions of people anymore?
0: was That was CeeLo Green with his new single Forget You on Sound Opinions.
4: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and our next guest is the Chicago band White Mystery, a killer duo, brother and sister, of Alex White on guitar and vocals and Francis White on drums. Greg, Alex White is a mere 24 years old, but she has been making a lot of noise on the Chicago rock scene for years already. Been in a number of different bands, most recently Miss Alex White and the Red Orchestra, but she woke up one day and said, you know, the ideal format for me to present my music is with my brother on drums. going to be a two-piece. I know we're going to get compared to the Black Keys and the White Stripes. I don't care. This is the way to do it. They're not a household word yet by any means, but they've been touring nonstop, really building a reputation in the underground scene from coast to coast. I think by the end of 2010, people are going to know this band.
0: Absolutely right, Jim. There's a couple of things about this band that I think are really notable. One, when you see them visually very striking, they've both got these big red afros, and you look at them and you just look, this is a rock band. They belong together yeah. on stage, but more than that even is the sound. What a voice. Alex White reminds me a lot of like a combination of Tina Turner and Rob Tyner of the MC5. She's got this big, bluesy voice. She's had that since she was a teenager. Now in her mid-20s, it's really developed. It takes a big drummer to stand up to that, and Mm -hmm. her brother is the man for the job. So, great combination. We were fortunate to have them in the studio recently when they were back in their hometown. Welcome to the show.
1: Greetings.
0: Thanks for having us. Great to have you here. So, brother-sister combo... And uh, you've been playing music all your life, Alex, pretty much.
1: Pretty much, and Francis, too. Us together growing up on the north side of Chicago in our parents' basement.
0: Yeah. So when was the first jam between you and your brother?
1: I think I was 14 and he was 12. And we pretty much learned how to play music together. And while I was in lots of different musical projects, I always played with him.
4: Were mom and dad indulgent? Did they allow you to like rehearse in the basement and make a cuz I'm you know I used to play drums and and the china cabinet above the uh, in the dining room above the basement would literally rattle and my mom's such a saint you know she, you know honey just let me know so I can like put some tape on it <laughs>
1: You know, I distinctly remember moments where my mom was, like, yelling at us through the the first floor down to the basement, like, It's not loud enough! Turn (laughs) up your vocals! But
2: on the other hand, our grandma, who lived on the top floor of our two-flat, her china cabinet would shake, and she'd come down two stories to tell us to turn it down.
1: (laughs) She would dance, too, though. She'd do her little grandma dance during our practices.
4: Well, that's encouraging. Alex, take us through the bands that preceded White Mystery. Uh, How did you get to this point, and and, and take us through the earlier combos?
1: Sure. Well, I started off in a two-girl band called The Red Lights when I was 15. Mm. Went on to play with my friend Chris Playboy to continue playing those songs after the original drummer, Elisa, passed away. And uh, a couple years later, my friend uh, Chris was in an accident outside of the Empty Bottle, which is a local club. And he passed away also as a young man. And after that point, I was really questioning my musical future and future in general. And then the Red Orchestra came together. And that was Miss Alex White and the Red Orchestra, where it was a full band after this lineage of playing in duos. yeah, We went on to put out two records on In the Red Records. And, you know, we all went our separate ways. And the whole time I had been jamming with my brother in our parents' basement. And a lot of the songs that you hear in these previous projects I've been in were conceptualized with him. So transitioning into an actual formal band with my brother was a pretty easy one.
0: You've done a lot in a short amount of time at a very young age. There's a couple of things you're sort of glossing over here a little bit, but I think are pretty significant. I mean, first of all, going out and being a part of this DIY independent scene, playing a style of music not normally associated with, um, you know, it's not overpopulated with females, let's put it that way. Garage rock, punk rock, pretty hard-edged stuff. For people who have not seen you perform, Alex, I think it's a shock. Because Ferocious. It's pretty, Ferocious, pretty I think it's a word, yeah. And I've seen you open up for some bands that are have a pretty fierce following at, at punk rock shows and definitely holding your own. What was it? that drew you to that style of music at, at such a young age?
1: I've always been attracted to rock and roll music. And a lot of it has to do with growing up in the city of Chicago, where I went to the Fireside Bowl on my 13th birthday,
4: you know, <laughs> Great April underage 30th, joint. Yeah.
1: you know, like on a Thursday night, you know, only in Chicago could you go out to a totally sweet punk show. And, and it, there's really just a a scene and an environment here that's conducive to hard-edged rock and roll the people i meet and i mean i think it's you know the laws of attraction too you kind of have that fire inside of you and you attract like-minded people so i mean i do remember though the moment where i kind of discovered my voice after kind of like you know you're singing you're in a band you're singing (laughs) with everyone you're playing guitar I remember just this, like, squelching, weird sound coming out. And that's when I was in the red lights. And the drummer turned to me, and she was like, you're not going to keep doing that, are you? (laughs) You know? And sure enough, like, I had, like, in a very distinct moment, found my voice. And sometimes I lose it, but I always get it back.
0: We want to talk some more about this stuff, but how about a white mystery song first? Sure. What are you going to play for us?
1: We're going to play one of our favorite songs called Power Glove. We'll be right back. back.
4: White Mystery, Power Glove, Miss Alex White. The other thing we glossed over is, is that amount of tragedy in your earlier bands, Alex. I mean, losing two band members and you're like barely in your 20s. I mean, it had to have been a horrible time for you.
1: You question a lot of things and you have to persevere. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and that's a pretty important lesson, I think. Because you get to a point where you're like, you're a little more accepting of what happens just because of the random acts of the universe. Yeah. But I feel, you know, now it's it's six years later for me. Yeah. I'm 25 years old. I was a teenager when it happened. And you're already in such a fragile place in your life as a teenager, dealing with, like, raging hormones and... (laughs) school and your parents and you don't have a car and you have to take the train everywhere (laughs) so i mean if it wasn't for my family because i mean like those are two things i mean there's a whole life around that sure you know at this point it's just it's good to be here you know
0: We'll be back with more white mystery after a short break on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Later in the show, Jim and I are going to review the new collaborative album from R&B singer John Legend and hip-hop group The Roots.
4: Sound Opinions, I'm Jim B. Ragattis. my partner is Greg Cott, and you've been listening to our interview with the garage rock duo White Mystery. Siblings Alex and Francis White may be young, but they've been making records for years. Most impressively, this strictly DIY group has been able to avoid the pitfalls of the music industry. When the band was in the studio with us, I asked lead singer Alex how she's responded to major label offers in the past.
1: I don't even think I considered it. I was just like, nah, no, no. You know and <laughs> and this new white mystery record, I mean, everything that white mystery is is a collaboration between my brother and I, yeah, and it's been awesome. I wouldn't trade it for anything just in terms of like the creative freedom. We just came back from a four week tour, traveled seven thousand miles around the entire country. My brother and I, just the two of us, and wow. in the morning, we'd miss our checkout time. But we didn't have a manager yelling at us.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think when people do see you, they think, boy, you know, I can imagine a major label person coming to see a show of yours and thinking, imagining all the different ways they could mold you into the next Katy Perry or whatever, you know? (laughs) There's all this potential there in terms of what they see as kind of a marketing scheme. And it seems like you've almost naturally gravitated in the exact opposite direction. Like, didn't you break into some studio to record a single with Chris Playboy at yes, one point? I mean, it was, it was totally DIY. What was the story behind that one?
1: Yeah, you know, um, a university, a local university that'll remain nameless, we knew someone there. He brought his mixing board with us. We just wanted to use the room and the microphones. Pretty harmless. But we got in there and we recorded four songs that are on my first single ever, my first seven inch of my entire career, which I put out myself when I was seventeen. Um, and that's when I started a record label and put out a bunch of vinyl forty fives. No one knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Say seven inch and people were like, that's kinda
0: gross, you know? <laughs> How did you know what a seven inch was? Because it's not exactly it wasn't exactly commonplace at the time.
1: Well one one thing that was really pretty instrumental to like my developing my taste in music were local record stores. And back then, you know, CDs were like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen dollars. But then I saw this thing called a forty five that was anywhere from fifty cents to three bucks. Mm-hmm. And that just was an immediate like, okay, this is a really accessible format. Mm-hmm. Just the accessibility and the price point, and of course it wouldn't be possible if my parents didn't have a turntable in the first place.
4: Well, there's the great irony, you know, is the record companies phased out the 45 single and then the cassette single, but they were the perfect entryway for so many of us into music, and now
0: you can do a pressing of three or 400 really easily, really cheaply, and sell them at shows. Yeah. You're listening to Sound Opinions. We're here in the studio with White, Mystery, Alex White, and Francis White. How about another song?
1: All right, we're going to play Don't Hold My Hand.
0: Hold My Hand from White Mystery on Sound Opinions. Francis, we got to bring you into this conversation here. So your sister's been on the road with all these bands. How did you end up playing together in a band? Because I imagine that you guys have been playing all along. Did you ever see it with you ending up in a band with Alex, though?
2: Well, that was definitely a fantasy of mine, to be sure. It was always unsaid, but I'm pretty sure the both of us knew it was going to take place eventually. Mm-hmm. We had recording projects that we put up on MySpace called Forest Bride from a little while back, and then I don't know our basement garage band laptop recordings just came to fruition one day, I guess
4: i, I have to confess, Francis, when I first heard about white mystery, you know it was Alex uh, white and Francis White. I figured they're not really brother and sister. I thought you were doing that white stripes thing, yeah, <laughs> you know when we <laughs> first met the white stripes are, you know are they married? are they brother and sister? What is this deal? And then as soon as you see your hair you know I hate to bring it all down to the hair and, and this being radio I mean um, there are two sets of the curliest reddest locks I think that certainly BZ has ever seen <laughs> probably anybody has ever seen
1: we're cut from the same cloth dude
4: yeah well they, as soon as you see the hair or picture of the band you're like oh yeah they are related okay
2: I wish more people thought that they're always like, how did you meet? How long have you been together? And
1: I tell them we met in an elevator.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Come up with a different story for every interview. Exchanged hair dye. Well, Uh, I said those words, uh, white and stripes, together. There's a certain aesthetic. There's a certain sound. There's a certain visual thing, you know. Are you worried about those comparisons? Just because you're a duo, you're going to get comparisons like that.
1: Sure, and, you know, I come from like a, a long lineage of duos. Mm -hmm. You know, since I was in high school, and it was always out of necessity having, like, a small unit that you could fit inside of a Toyota Corolla (laughs) and travel really easily. And and really, it's just a very effective, efficient kind of unit, you know. But, I mean, like, our last name's White. It really is White, you Mm -hmm. know. You could check our birth certificates. But, (laughs) you know, and the name White Mystery came from a candy flavor. At the same time, White Stripes, great, awesome band. I like them a lot.
2: Yeah, I grew up on their music. They absolutely influenced me.
1: Mm. Yeah, but I mean, like, in terms of what we play, it's a different aesthetic musically, and we get to wear whatever we want.
0: <laughs> you don't have to have uniforms. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you find yourself writing any differently now that you're in a band with your brother as opposed to some of the stuff that you've done previously?
1: Hmm. I mean, it's a lot more of a collaboration mm. with Francis, but my process is very similar. Last night, I was experiencing some pretty deep romantic heartbreak. And I start where I always start, which is with a Sony cassette player Mm. that I got in, like, the Kenosha outlet mall when I was in (laughs) high school. And I sat down and I just started banging my guitar, my couch, Mm -hmm. and recorded these demos and just, you know, like 45 minutes of singing. And and what I'm going to do tomorrow... With Francis, is start playing these songs. And that's always been my process. Bring a riff to the table and see where it goes.
4: Mm -hmm. Can we get another song, guys?
1: Let's do Overwhelmed and do the whole opus.
2: Okay, we got an opus for all y'all. An opus.
4: white mystery here on sound opinions alex give us the the song titles in that opus
1: all right well we started off with overwhelmed went into vorpal and then switch it off
4: good times here thank you so much francis and alex for coming on the show
1: thank you for having us
0: To watch videos of White Mystery live on Sound Opinions, visit our website, soundopinions.org. You can also catch up on archived shows and read each episode's footnotes. Next up, Jim and I are going to review the new record by John Legend and The Roots, and then I'll add a song I can't live without to the Desert Island Jukebox. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.
5: Up everybody, no more sleeping in bed, no more backward thinking, time for thinking. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There is so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh
4: yeah. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. That is the song Wake Up, Everybody. Originally done by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, but that's coming to us from The Roots as the backing band and John Legend as the voice. Greg, they have this new collaborative album, Wake Up, taking the name from that song. It's been in the works for several years. It's finally here. John Legend, you know, talk about Kanye West earlier. First time I saw John Legend, there was this guy who seemed to be an incredible talent playing piano as Kanye West was out front rapping. I knew that guy was going to go somewhere, and legend not long after West's debut came out with Get Lifted, his 2004 debut album, wound up winning an armful of Grammys. This was the new school, old school soul man. Mm -hmm. After years of R&B music being confined to the bedroom, here was a guy who was a feminist, who was positive, who was not a gangster. He was going back to old sounds, but he was doing something new in the ensuing years legend put out two more records wound up uh, singing an original of his if you're out there at the 2008 democratic national convention and out there on the campaign trail with him was as we've often said the best live band in hip hop or r&b today the roots out of philadelphia they talked about doing something together they finally got there over the last year or two both incredibly busy the roots on television every night as jimmy fallon's house band legend touring on his own In between, they would get together when they could and go through the songbook of great 60s and 70s political soul anthems. Talking about people like Donny Hathaway, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Bill Withers. Recording this set of songs, all covers except for one new original by Legend, finally out as John Legend and the Roots, two-part effort, wake up, we're gonna review it in a minute, but first we want to play a song. This is a song by Baby Huey called "Hard Times." And interesting, they're digging deep for this one—an mm-hmm. interesting choice. "Hard Times" by John Legend and the Roots on Sound Opinions. Cold,
5: cold eyes upon Bruh I'm trying to climb up the rough side of the mountain. Friends warn me, I'ma have to do it without them. No problem, really, it was never about them. So my house, I never come out from. Cause every day a drought, then a shadow of doubt come. I'll probably do whatever that would better my outcome. The city's like the Autobahn ballroom, waiting on Malcolm. Cause people want to see my blood flow like fountains. I got nowhere to go and still feel like bouncing. I'm looking for the nearest window I can route from. Or maybe for the highest speaker box to shout from. And I'm hoping to feel like something is real, but it's no hope. We do a, but a smoke a will, A brick in the wall Looking for an opening still Having hard time yeah. Trying to climb over the hill
0: That is John Legend and The Roots performing Hard Times from their new album, Wake Up. Great collaboration. On paper, you're thinking one of the best R&B singers of the last decade or so with a hip-hop juggernaut so routinely called the best live band in hip-hop it's almost a cliche to call them that but that's that's what the roots are it's basically. today's
4: version of uh, the rolling stones being the world's greatest rock and roll band
0: and if you've ever gone to a root show jim and i know you have inevitably in the middle of that show they will do a medley of hits from the past or underground songs they are encyclopedic in their knowledge of not only hip-hop but the soul and funk that preceded it ditto for John Legend these guys are scholars and as you alluded to earlier they dig deeper than you would expect on an album of covers primarily from the 60s and 70s these are not for the most part the best known songs by a lot of these artists that they're covering whether it's Marvin Gaye or Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes I like that scholarship I think the performances are pretty good legend brings a sense of grit to his vocals that i have not heard from him on a lot of his solo projects the roots are in top form generally there's a couple of really flabby songs here some of the longer cuts meander a little bit but when they get to that harder edge stuff it's done very well i think the one stinker on this album unfortunately is the soul original Uh, john (laughs) legend john legend's shine at the end of the album is not nearly as good as most of the stuff that they're covering my issue with it primarily is that they never really transcend the originals. If, mm. if you do have knowledge of what these original songs sounded like, you go, they're not really adding anything to it. What they are doing, however, is pointing a younger generation back to that era and reminding them that there is a long and strong tradition of protest music and socially conscious music in soul, funk, and early hip-hop and that they're yearning for a return to that. I'm on the cusp of burn it buy it. I think I'm going to give it a burn it because of that. Well, you're kinder than I'm going to be, Greg. I've been thinking over the
4: last two fairly disappointing albums by Legend that the guy's problems are his his songwriting isn't up to snuff. You know, he just mm-hmm. isn't a very good songwriter. He's writing these little toss-off love songs, right? Here you have some great songs, and you also have some bad choices. What went wrong? The Roots are not at the top of their game. I think they saved it all for How I Got Over, which we gave two enthusiastic Biets, mm-hmm. their recent album. And Legend is just a weakling. I think he's got a tin ear. There are some songs where he's all sunshine and flowers, this kind of utopianism. You know, Donny Hathaway's Little Ghetto Boy, he sings like it's, it's Little Drummer Boy, a Christmas <laughs> anthem, right? And it's like, it's not supposed to be sung that way, I don't think. And then there are other times when he should be heavier where he's like a lightweight hang on in there by Johnny Bristol you know he just kind of tosses him I don't think he has a feel for this material I don't think he's up to it it is such a huge disappointment I have got to say trash it I'm sorry I tell you little buddy this whole island is bewitched
5: Remember, we were shipwrecked together.
4: As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, Greg or I like to take a trip to the desert island, pop a quarter
0: in the jukebox, and play you a song we can't live without. Greg, what do you got for us? Jim, reviewing that uh, Legend Roots collaboration reminded me a lot of those old soul hits that they were performing, the original versions, that is, and I immediately went back to Les McCann's version of compared to what? It's a song that Legend and the Roots cover on the new album. I wanted to hear the original after hearing them cover it and do an okay job with it. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, the original version of this song written by Eugene McDaniels in in the late 60s, Roberta Flack actually got to it first on her debut album. Did a nice job with it, but I think the definitive version of it by far is what Les McCann did with Eddie Harris. On a jazz album, per se, in 1969 called Swiss Movement. Both Les McCann and Eddie Harris were performing at the Montreux Jazz Festival that year, and they decided to perform together during McCann's set. McCann had a pretty cool little trio going. He was a keyboardist with a rhythm section, he invited Harris in on saxophone to play along with him. They didn't even have time to rehearse They basically just jumped in there and started performing these songs This song was extremely topical at the time You know, Vietnam era protest song, biting lyrics McCann really throws himself into it and so does Harris It's a wonderful version of this song with some real bite to it Some real teeth to it that I don't think the roots and legend come close to approaching here it is, Les McCann with Compared to What on Sound Opinions.
3: A love the lie and lie, the love I'm hanging on me, push and shove Possession is the motivation that is hanging up The goddamn nation looks like we always end up
5: in a rut Everybody now
3: trying to make it real compared to what The killing hogs, twisted children, the killing frogs, poor dumb rednecks rolling low, tired old ladies kissing dogs. I hate the human love of that stinking mud. I can't use it, I'm trying to make it real compared to what. What it's for. Nobody gives us a rhyme or reason. Half a one doubt they call it treason. With chicken feathers all the way out. The wrath of God, preachers filling us with fright. They all trying to teach us what they think is right. They really got to be.
4: That is less McCann with compared to what? A very nice Desert Island jukebox
0: choice, Mr. Cott. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we are going to look at the dreaded sophomore slump in rock. It takes you a lifetime to make that first album, they say, and only six months to make the second. We're going to look at albums that overcame that myth. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way
4: out. White Mystery was recorded by Mary Gaffney and Brandon Jackson. Our intern is Julia Mullen Gordon. Our producers are Robin Lynn and Jason Saldana, our own dynamic duo. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, is Tori Southside Malatia, who cannot stop singing that Kanye West chorus.
0: Sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. Hey,
5: how you doing? Sorry, you can't get through. And I'll
2: get back to you.
6: New messages.
2: Hey, uh, this is John Arnold from Nashville, Tennessee. Now I'm in the music industry and. Uh, work in the field of digital music and online marketing, and couldn't help but, you know, in an episode where you talk about PROs and digital music rights online, couldn't help but notice that your patented Buy It, Burn It, Trash It scale calls out illegal downloading, burning in particular. So maybe maybe you guys would give some thoughts to updating that scale to a Buy It, Stream It, Trash It scale, something that might be legal and might help the artists that you're talking about actually get a little money on the side. Just a thought. Uh, keep up the good work. You guys are doing a great show.
6: This is Dennis calling from Tokyo. I think you guys really missed it on the whole Katy Perry thing. You went through a lot of lengths to compare the Katy Perry album with the Cyndi Lauper era of things. And you completely missed what she was doing. What she's doing is she's comparing herself to Madonna. And I know that these days it's really like Lady Gaga is Madonna and there's nobody else who's trying to be Madonna. But. If you look back and you think about Madonna's second album Like a Virgin, it was an album that seemed like it was written by a bunch of dirty old men. It was Madonna saying, "Hey, here's the people who made my first album. Here's my second album. I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with Nile Rodgers and we're going to go with the top producers and we're going to make a big splash." And that's what Katy Perry is doing of course if you don't like it for what it's doing that's fine but i just think that you guys are missing the 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 pop feel of what she's doing anyway i love the show it's great thanks bye
3: Hello, my name is Pauly Simone. My location is the Jersey Shore. You just got done talking about Richard Thompson's new CD, about what a good guitar player he was, about how often previous CDs had paid short shrift to the guitar playing in favor of the song. And in playing a cut from the album, you played the song, I mean the lyrics, and when it came to the guitar break, you cut away from it, Back to yourselves talking about it. You had Slayer on before, a bunch of crazy lyrics. If I ever heard a bunch of crazy lyrics, they're making a lot of money talking about D-E-A-T-H in one form or another. Thompson writes good lyrics, too. But would you just once in a while let that damn guitar player play?
2: Greg, this is Aaron from Chicago, and I just got done listening to your interview with Slayer. Well, I'm guessing you're going to get a lot of calls from people saying, That was terrible. Why didn't you talk about Jeff Beck or Jimi Hendrix? I just want to say thank you for putting Slayer, who are awesome musicians, by the way, on your show and probably introducing them to people who would overlook them in a normal stance. So, Thanks for your shows also on country music and uh, the kids with their interview. Please keep doing what you're doing. Don't stick to any one genre or generation of music. Thanks.
5: Slow the you of your life?